You are listening to a Music Secrets Exposed podcast documentary series in association with Waterfall Music and the Paul Lloyd Warner Foundation. Episode 7, The Journey of Du Fu, China's greatest poet who inspired Paul Lloyd Warner in creating his Asian fusion style of piano music and original translations of poetry. Also, in 1990, breaking into a big art show and meeting his best friend, Jay. Stay tuned. At the end of last segment, we heard the story of how Paul acquired his dream piano, the Busendorf piano, a very special piano that if you want to know all about it, you must go back to the previous segment because it details the sound that this wonderful piano creates when it's tuned very specifically to the needs of the pianist. After Paul acquired that piano, he recorded his most well-known music at this point, which is called Waterfall Music for Piano. And it's probably the first album really that got him out there. Now, Paul, I'm just wondering, after acquiring this beautiful dream piano, what do you do next with it? Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, I uh, set my sights on doing a piece of music that I had tried recording before on different pianos, but never successfully. Uh, there, I could never get the right recording, no matter how hard I tried. I think it was because the piano wasn't right, the tuning wasn't correct, I wasn't in the proper place. Uh, so I set my sights on for something that I've been working on. I, I've been studying Chinese music, uh, early Chinese music. And I figured there must be a way that I can get those scales on the piano and be able to combine those wonderful scales of B minor and E minor, uh, E flat minor uh, and uh, A flat minor, B flat minor, uh, really way out scales and be able to combine them in a way to make uh, music that was Chinese. But then I needed to have a, a story. I needed to have a, a reason and a way of creating that. So I had studied China's greatest poet. His name was Du Fu. They spell it D-U-F-U. But in the old day, it was Tu Fu, T-U-F-U. And he is considered, Kenneth Rexroth, the American poet, said that Du Fu is the greatest poet who lived in any language at any time in history. Calls him the greatest poet of all time. Even and more so true. than Rumi. Um, Rumi is a big name in poetry. So now would you regard is. him? Now he is, but 
you compare this to Tu Fu? Tu Fu was a real poet. Rumi was a spiritual poet who did it beautifully. Two in other words, two different genres. They're different points of view. Because okay. Rumi was always expressing a, a spiritual perspective where Du Fu was not. Du Fu created, he knew how to create reality in a way that changed language forever. Uh, and I learned from him. He was probably one of my greatest teachers of, of poetry in translation, of course. I didn't speak Chinese. But I had undertaken a, um, a task that would be impossible. Uh, how can I, who don't, I don't speak Chinese, not a one word of Chinese, except maybe Shin Shin or something. <laughs> I don't know any Chinese whatsoever. Uh, but I did, I know about the language and I studied how the language works, but I didn't know the language. So, but I wanted to translate Dufu. I wanted to have a nice, beautiful book in sparkling, clear poetry uh, of, of just a few of his poems, the ones that were my favorites uh, in translation. And I read all the Had you an interest in Chinese culture, you know, before you experienced or discovered this poetry? It was like Chinese culture always fascinating you, given that you've lived in California yes, for it did uh, and in fact somebody later on in life said that Paul you are a Chinese soul in a white man's body okay so it's it's I'm a not huge sure so, but yeah I, I felt that at the time and just just before you move on into the poetry and discussing this what fascinates you about Chinese culture because it's a very different culture like what do you see that's very valuable in Chinese culture? Well, I was going back to the Tang Dynasty. That's what really interested me. This is the time of Du Fu lived from 712 to 780 AD. Uh, so that's about 1300 years ago. Uh, he, uh, uh, that culture, the Tang Dynasty was the flowering golden age. That's where all the beautiful vases are made, the porcelains and and, and the, uh, the most exquisite pieces of art came from that time, the most valuable time in all of, of Chinese history. Yes. Uh, and I mean, I saw that art and I really enjoyed it. Chinese history, but okay. More than anything else, it was the uh, poetry of that time. And uh, another great poet at that time was Li Po. Uh, L-I-P-O, and Li Po is a very famous Chinese poet, often is not, nothing like Du Fu, but the two of them are often put together. Li Po is the more lyrical, happy-go-lucky poet, whereas Du Fu is more Chinese, more philosophical, uh, and deeper, much, much deeper, all the deepest of, of you ever find. So a deep he, thinker. Um, uh, so I was fascinated by his poetry, but I couldn't really read him in English. He didn't sound very good in English, except for Kenneth Rexroth. Rexroth is the one. Rexroth is the one who translated some of his poetry, and he did an amazing job recreating Du Fu. That inspired me to go and do my own job, 
So I went to the University of Hawaii Library in Manoa, the main campus in Oahu. Now they had a huge collection of Chinese texts there because of the Chinese culture that's in Hawaii. Harvard University and the University of Hawaii, the largest texts of Chinese texts there. We should also mention that you have a background in um, your degree out of UCLA is in English, English literature. English literature. So you have that kind of backing to help you understand this whole world of poetry, just to mention that. Thank you. But you know what I was doing when I was going to UCLA? I was up in the library there and I was reading Asian poetry. <laughs> As oh. well, Asian poetry in UCLA. Oh, yeah, while I was studying English because it was much better. It was just better. It just captured you. Well, yeah. Because it's succinct. It could just say a few words and just really capture, make you see it, feel it, know it. Uh, so I just loved it. Anyway, so I go to the University of Hawaii Library, and there's all these Chinese texts. I don't read a word. I can't even understand the characters. But I go and I find the great translations like Rex Rexfloth's. And then I go to the original texts. And then I have someone, a Chinese scholar, who will translate the actual word for me, word for word. And we put it out on a big piece of paper exactly in word order of the Chinese, like tree, green, hill, shine, you know, words just like that. That's the way the Chinese poetry goes. It's not a language so much of, of verbs, it's a language with nouns, but I mean, there are of course verbs in there, a language. So, uh, but the, he just gets the picture, the picture, picture graphs, and that's what the characters are, and that's what the words mean. And the, he wrote the first and secondary meanings out for me. Uh, and so I got all those and all of them there. Then I started studying them and reading and seeing how this is going to look. I get a good feel. Then I go to other translations in English to see how those other translators did it. And then from there, I get the idea of the full meaning of the poem uh, by reading a number of translations. Then from there, I took it back to poem in, in Maui. I only did about four poems a year. It took me about five or six years to get this book done. There's only 50 poems in the book. <laughs> uh, and then I just had to go deep into my heart and soul as a poet to recreate Du Fu in Du Fu's Chinese language, but in beautiful, sparkling English that was just, oh, you know, it just takes your breath away. It, it just takes your breath away. Mm. But it also gets, I suppose, the connotation of what the Chinese would have wanted to convey. So you had to choose those words carefully to bring that forward. Right. Uh, maybe I can give one example. I mean, I know we're talking about my music, but uh, if I can give one example. Let me see if I, I didn't yes. bring the book out, but here it is. This is the book, and this is the book I published and printed. And so I'll just read one, uh, so you get the idea of how, how the language works. Uh, this one's called The Essence. And my attempt was not to create anything of my own, but to really get the purity of Du Fu. That was my, my whole purpose here. So it goes like this. 
To grasp the essence of all creatures is to leave the secrets of nature untouched. Fish are most joyous in deepest waters. Birds love the refuge of their hidden jungles. I'm content being old, ill, and poor. Wealth and fame cannot bring one peace within. So long as the clear autumn air lets me stand and walk, I will be grateful to eat the simplest herbs in solitude. deep very deep a deep thinker yes uh he just really touches me like no other poet i love poetry i love so much so i can't really say but uh, so anyway the music that we're going to that i decided to work on was his journey the journey of du fu now, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about his life. But I'll just say that uh, when he was young, he was very outspoken. He spoke the truth. And there were examinations, very intense examinations you had to take in order to get into the civil service. The civil service was the only way that you could make a middle class income in China. Okay. back in those days and he was he was a middle class person no he was poor the dynasty he was poor oh he was poor right okay but he studied he was brilliant and they had to write it all in poetry the exams were in in poetry exams were in yes. poetry but he um wow. he was outspoken and that didn't go well with the examiners and with the people around uh, so when Dufu took the exams, they failed him. And he then could not get a civil service job and make a decent living. So he had a family, he had a wife, he had a child, then later a second child. Uh, he lived in a hut. Uh, it was very, very simple life. Uh, then he managed to take the exams a second time and they failed them again. Now he was doomed to having just a, a poor life. He couldn't do anything. Eventually he was able to get a, not a civil service job, but a very minor job in the secondary level of the civil service. Didn't pay very much. But he was able to get that job and he, he enjoyed it. Uh, then I'm just thinking it's very, very simple. Now there was an emperor who controlled all of China. In those days, they used horseback to uh, deliver mail throughout China. They had a whole postal system. This and just to remind, just to remind the listeners, what century are you talking of again? The sixth century. Uh, sixth century, sixth okay. Sixth century, AD. <laughs> yeah, seven hundreds. Okay. Uh, so he. Uh, uh, anyway, then there was a rebellion, a great rebellion against the emperor. 
led by a, a, a man named An, A-N-L-U-S-H-A-N, An Lushan. And An Lushan had a successful rebellion against the emperor. And uh, basically the emperor had to flee. Du Fu lost that secondary job and was sent into exile because of that rebellion. Everyone, all the, all the civil servants, anyone who was anybody had to flee. Dufu had to leave his family where they were in his little hut. He had to go and he was sent way out to the far, far west, which would be today's Mongolia. And on the way, you know, he just, uh, he was so poor, he had no money. Uh, so when he would, he'd get, he'd travel on the road, then he'd see a house or a hut, and he'd go and talk to them. And, and they, uh, people there were very nice. He said he would write a poem for them. Uh, and so they invited him in. The poets were very respected at that time. And when he said he was a poet, they did understand the people and they invited him in. He, they give him a bed for the night. They give him food, food for the next day. He go on and that's how he got through all the way to the West. So he had a walk there. I mean, this is a thousand miles from where he lived. He had a walk. That took a long time. All right, then he's there in the uh, Mongolia area for a long time, for several years no contact with the family because the postal service was not working the rebellion and was his was his wife and children with no him? no no they were back in china and he was out on his own in, in mongolia literally. right in that area that was still all china but you know it was yes. beyond yeah. the great wall on the other side of the great wall uh, and so uh after a while, then the emperor was able to come back into power. The rebellion had been quelled. Dufu learned about it, and so he now comes back to uh, his uh, home. Takes him a long time, but he has no idea about the safety of, of his family. Uh, and you can only imagine any man, any woman, any, any person, who has to be away so long from their family with no communications, what that would mean, uh, how much you'd have to worry about that. So he does come back and there's the most gorgeous poem that I'd like to read if I may, a short poem of his homecoming that is just stunning, stunning, stunning. The homecoming must have been such a joyful experience. I'm just visualizing it. Because it's, it's the experience of not knowing what's going to happen next. And then suddenly you can return home. Now he's coming back from the West, right? From the, from the West. So this is, this, is, this is one of the most beautiful poems I have ever heard in my life. Rex Roth translated it. And I couldn't do it any better than he did, but I tried. And this is my interpretation of it. The Homecoming. In the west soar ranges of violet clouds. Sun stretches its legs of rays to earth. Over a country gate, 
Magpie's Chatter, a welcome. A wanderer returns home from far away. My family is shocked to find me still alive. Overwhelmed by joy, we wipe away our tears. The anguished rage of the world had burst our lives asunder. Only fortune brings me back, a grateful man. A few neighbors have climbed the garden walls, unable to cease their flow of sighs. When night deepens, my wife and I light candles and gaze into each other's souls as in a dream. paints such a, a vivid picture yes yes he it's because the chinese language is this pictographs and so uh in chinese it's picture after picture after picture to, to say the poem in english you have to you can't get just by picture writing you have to be able to put it into into grammar syntax real language we have to find the way to do it that captures the, the real meaning of the poem in the way, more or less the way Du Fu, the, the poet, did it. So it took me, I can only do a few a year, because it took tremendous concentration to recreate these poems. Yeah, and I imagine a lot of figuring out is, you know, trying to convey um, the feeling and the picture in in a few words literally just in a very few words very it's, it's very beautiful towards the end of the poem actually it's very beautiful when night deepens my wife and i light candles and gaze into each other's souls as in a dream soulmates isn't that beautiful that's I've been absent for several years. There they are, believe it. My God, he's come home. You know, so just, just kind of coming to grips with it. The way he paints the picture, he's just coming to grips with the idea yeah. that the two of them are that they're able to be with each other again. Right, and he puts you there into that moment where you feel it from their points of view. Yeah. Uh, and to yeah. capture that in English is not so easy. It's very subtle. Oh, I, I love these poems. There's so, so many beautiful ones, but this is not about poetry today. This is about the music that was created on the journey of Dupu's life. That's the music that we're okay. talking about.
Now, to be able to get this music, I had to have the piano tuned every single day. And you were in Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, still yes, still at my home. Yeah. Uh, and this is several months after I finished uh, creating the waterfall music. I have to have the piano tune every single day because it gets knocked goodness. out of tune. The temperature changes in Santa Cruz, warm days, cool nights, even though I had heat at night. So the piano goes slightly out. The, so it has to be constantly tuned. And, and you have to get a tuning that finally is, is solid and steady and it's going to hold. And to do that, you have to keep tuning the piano. Now, of course, if you're in the European concert hall, they're all temperature, humidity controlled. So therefore, the pianos maintain their tuning. However, um, in uh, the uh, um, real life here where I live, it wasn't like that at all. And I didn't have the best possible tuners. But this gentleman, Ed, who tuned me for uh, waterfall music, was also tuning me for this. Okay, now let's take the story back a little bit. Okay. Um, the, the story is moving towards the recording of the journey of this poet. That's what I'm here to do. So you're you're creating music to, um, in musical terms, tell the story of the journey of Dufu, which which is related to the poem you've just read. Right. You know, it, uh, it, it takes us through the beginning, through the beauty, the Chinese, beautiful Chinese rhythms and music, and uh, uh, it's it's really quite lovely. Said the technique I had to use to get that, but then it takes. And you had you had a particular technique because I had the opportunity very kindly of you sending me a file and I listened to how that the the resonant tones that you used in this piece of music that you've created for this story, if you will, you're using very hefty resonant tones and you're letting those just zing out across the piano while you do a lot of treble, like bell-like sounds. It's the only words I have for bell-like sounds. And you can hear elements of Chinese influences coming in. So you must have studied or listened to a lot of Chinese traditional music. Oh, yes. In fact, uh, at UCLA, they have at that time uh, the, the, the number one ethnic uh, music school as well, where you could study music from all over the world. So I attended okay. the, the classes in, 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 in Asian music, especially Chinese. And I've been listening yeah. to recordings of Chinese music all my life. Fell in so love with it. So you'd a really good, yeah, you'd a good understanding of it, obviously, to to go ahead with this. Not as a scholar, but just as a, as a listener, someone who enjoyed it. As somebody really interested in yeah. it, yeah. Okay, so now there's a story behind that. What did it take to get that recording? Here's what it took. Okay, let's okay. go back now. This recording was made in 1990. Uh, in uh, June, June of 1990. Let's go back to, uh, let's say, January and February. That's the time that we would book these art shows. And you had to put money down for a show that would be in April or May or June. And there were shows that always accepted you every year. Uh, but there was also some shows that 
declined me. Uh, and there's some very high-end shows. High-end means really fine art, lots of very well-to-do people, lots of money for the artists. Uh, there's one show in particular that I really wanted to get into. It was in Thousand Oaks, Southern California. Thousand Oaks is between Los Angeles and Ventura. You may and not why, why did you really want to get into this specific show? What because is... that, that particular weekend was not a good weekend for me in any other show. Okay. Some weekends, you know, you just want to get the best top quality show to make the most amount of money. Okay. Uh, I, I was declined for 10 solid years. Ten years from this show. From ten years, well, let's see, no, not quite ten years. Eighty-four to nineteen ninety, seven years. Seven years. Seven okay. years. I was declined, uh, and so I even called uh, the person in charge of, of that. She was a very nice lady, and she said, "You know, I would love to have your music in the show, but however, it is." A cassette. A cassette is a machine-made product, product. We just only have art and paintings and sculpture and glass, things like that, uh, marble. We do not have cassettes. Uh, it's too, too machine-made. And, and our, our whole thing is, is art made by the artist. I said, well, that's exactly what I do. I use my hands to make the music on a very great piano. That's also a handmade piano. Okay. However, I have to have a medium in which to give it, share it, sell it to the public. In those days, they were cassettes. Yeah. And uh, yes, there were some CDs. I was just beginning to make my first CDs. Waterfall Music was my first CD, piano CD. Uh, and she said, oh, I." I'm sorry, but I just can't let you in the show. And then she had a thought for a moment. She says, uh, well, tell me, are you going to be doing the Beverly Hills show? Well, the Beverly Hills show is a big, huge show because Beverly Hills, California. Oh, I can't imagine. And yeah. uh, it, it took me years to get in, but I'd gotten in the year before. I got in that show. I was doing it that year. So this was springtime. And so I was doing it in May. And her show uh, in Thousand Oaks was in June. Uh, and uh, so I, the year is 1990. So she said, are you going to be at the Beverly Hills show? I said, yes. Fine, I'll look for you there. I'd like to meet you. Uh, she was obviously thinking about it. So I really set up a great show in Beverly Hills. You know, I always did anyway, but this time You went I, all out. I, all, I all out because I expected the lady to come by. I didn't, never knew what she looked like. I had no idea. But I'm doing a fantastic sales at the shop. And then the woman comes up. She says, I'm so-and-so. And of course, I recognized her immediately. She says, you are doing so well here. Oh, look at all the sales you're making. I said, thank you very much. And she says, okay, I'll tell you what. You're in the show. I'll give you a place in the show. Just like that. She had to see me in person. She had to see what I looked like. So yeah. How I presented Just to check myself. you out. Right, yeah. exactly. Okay, so uh, it took all that. And then finally, uh, here in the beginning of June, 
she gives me a beautiful location. Now, this is a big lawn in uh, uh, owned by Exxon, the big uh, at that time, the big uh, oil company. They had uh, they did it was the oil there. It was just a big, uh, you know, they had a lot of offices and so forth. But the lawn was extensive and beautiful, very beautifully cut green grass. Uh, and it was quite extensive. And so the artist would be spread out on this lawn. So people could just walk around leisurely, gingerly, and go from booth to booth to booth. So just like on a city street where all you're all next to each other, you're all far apart. She gave me a nice location. I set up and I'm, um, uh selling very 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 well i'm really happy oh thank god finally i got into this show it took me a long time to get into the thousand oaks but i got it. here i am and i'm so happy they're making money and the show is people are loving the music uh, so I'm, I'm very happy okay while i'm there uh one of my uh, possible customers a young man comes over uh, and he um, uh, said the music was very beautiful. I said, well, here, this album over here is the one I'd recommend that you buy. He told me he was a sculptor. He was sculpting in foam. And that he would like to have some music in the background. And he was there today really to see if he could talk to the promoter of the show to see if he can get in maybe the following year. And he okay. brought some examples of his foam with him. Uh, so he was there not as a buyer, but as a prospective seller of the show. Well, we talked, we had a nice conversation and everything. Uh, and then he wouldn't buy from me. He wouldn't buy from you? No, I couldn't get him to buy. He says, I just don't have any money with me. And he opened up his pocket, showed how empty they were. He wasn't poor and he had a job and everything, but he had no money with him. He didn't come to buy. Yes, I understand. Okay, nice guy, very nice guy. So I said, I gave music away to people all the time. I said, okay, I said, this is for you. I gave him an album, cassette. Thank you. He was very moved that I did it. He was really quite touched, very grateful for the gift. Well, Paul, like people don't do that normally. You know, it's it's not a normal thing to give away things. I, I did. I, I did quite a few. When I found deserving people. Uh, anyway, so um, then he leaves, and uh, I'm still selling, and the whole uh, so many sales are going by. I was all by myself. Uh, I had no one helping me. And then uh, several hours later, this young man comes back. Because I've walked the whole show, I've seen every all the wonderful booths. And you are doing the best sales. You have the most sales of any artist I've seen here. Wow. Okay. Now, of course, there's artists in jewelry. One piece sells for $10,000 or $5,000, you know, then a lot more money. But I was brisk sales going because my prices were, were very good. Uh, you know, you buy a cassette, one is $10, three for 25. So, you know, they were low price compared to the high prices there around the show uh, and we had to give a percentage away to the promoter yeah so, uh the uh promoter would be very happy that i'd give 
give give money to the the, the organization that sponsored it. So, all right, he comes over. And says, You're the busiest booth around here. This is amazing. And so I said, thank you very much. He says, oh, I've seen everything around here. Uh, he's just going on and on and on. And then I said, well, listen, thanks for coming back. You go listen to the music. I hope you enjoy it. And we exchanged phone numbers. So uh, then uh, I go back to Santa Cruz. And I go around do some more shows. And then about three, two and a half weeks later, I had not heard from him. I figured, I'll give the guy a call, see how he's doing. Call him up and he says, oh, hi, yeah, really glad, glad you called me. But I asked him about his foam. How's he doing with his foam sculpture? They told me the story. He said, I, uh, I, you know, I work, I, I sell Mac computers in Burbank. Now that's a long ride. He lives in Ventura. Ventura is kind of the, toward the northern end of Southern California, and Burbank is right in the middle in, around Los Angeles. So it's a good 70, 80 mile drive every day, back and forth, each way. A lot of driving, uh, but he had a job selling Mac computers. And he lived, he had an apartment, he shared it with somebody, and it was too small to sculpture. What he really wanted to do was to sculpt. He needed a larger place, but he wasn't making enough money to support getting a studio where he could really do his work. And he had already purchased big lots of foam and he stored it in the storage locker. And he had lots of foam that you get. You go to the people who make foam and then there's always leftover foam in large lots. He'd buy up those lots, okay. put them away. So he had a lot of foam. And so I said to him, I just like the guy. I trusted him. I just felt a good feeling about him. Uh, and his name was Jay. J-A-Y. So I said to Jay, I said, well, um, I go away for the whole summer. I live here in Santa Cruz, I go away for the whole summer. I go away at uh, the end of July and uh, go up to Washington State where I do all the big shows over the summertime. And I come back in September, late September. I have a house. It, it, it's not a big house, but it's got a big deck that overlooks the ocean. Uh, it's beautiful, there's no rain. Um, maybe you can come, come up here and take a look and see if you like it. You could stay here if you want to. I opened my home to this person I didn't even know. Okay. But I knew he was a good guy. I just he knew he was a good guy. Uh, so uh, I trusted him. You know, I had good instincts. Uh, and so I said, listen, come on up here and let me show you the place and see if you like it. You can have this place for three months while I'm gone for free and you can go sculpt outside on the deck. I have a beautiful piano. You'll need to protect everything. Be very careful. Uh, but if you promise me that, then you can have it. Okay, so he comes up. He flies up the next week. And uh, I know there's a magic. I know there's a friendship brewing here. 
I could really feel the, the, the good, you know, brotherly kind of friendship, you know, like yeah, you get the vibe, real the vibe, good friend, you know, when you yeah, you need a good friend in life, you're gonna have a good friend, you just know yeah. it. And so he comes on up, and uh, he's very surprised to see how beautiful this place is. So it sounds beautiful. It sounds beautiful. Just over look overlooking the ocean. And you mentioned in the last segment about redwood trees and meadows. It sounds beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. This uh, it's central California. California is southern, central, north. Yeah, but I've also like I've also figured out over the years that looking at various lives of composers, that the environment is so critical for a poet to write his poetry, for an artist to do whatever their art form is. Oh, yeah. Please Just continue. Like, Go ahead. Like where I live right now. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he um, um, looks around. He's, meanwhile, I have been tuning the piano daily for a good 10 days prior to Jay coming up. I wasn't having him come up so I could play music for him. It was to really show him the place, but it coincided, you know, just with going to record this journey of Dufu. So he comes up on the very night I'm going to record it. I figured, well, it's a moment to celebrate. Let me record it that night and see how I do. Okay. So I'd like to produce that person for you right now, just to meet for a few moments. Okay. You already know him. You've met him before. I have. He's, he's a gentleman. Yeah. A real gentleman. And his name was Jay. <laughs> this is Jay, the he guy that I know called Arian. Yeah. What yeah. a story. What a story. And that's how you guys met. And I should say to the listeners that um, you're a very important guy in this whole project with um, Waterfall Music and getting people to learn more about it and why it's so important. Well, so he, that's a fantastic story. Well, he became my best friend, and this is what he did. So we were up there, we had some dinner, and I was <laughs> going to record that very night. Uh, and again, the piano had been tuned. I got the perfect tuning. You can't have one note out. out. Not if you're going to do this Chinese style. Any, any good music on the piano. So he came time to do the recording. He comes over to me and he shakes my shoulders like this. And he says, make this, what did you say? I went and I said, this is gonna be the greatest music of your entire life right now. And uh, I shook him and you know gave him the shake. And he's like, yes, this is, I'm gonna create the greatest music of my life right now. <laughs> well i've i've listened to it and it is so unique um oh. i know there's elements coming in from the influence of debussy and i can hear different things in it but the combination of all those elements pulled together and of course busendorf piano fantastic soundboard with the resonance like it creates this amazing sound it's it's incredible so. sound i remember when i was sitting down candles were lit this gigantic piano in the front living room, tiny little one bedroom house overlooking the ocean with a deck Sounds and all beautiful. that. It was just yeah. mesmerizing and beautiful artwork and stained glass. 
And uh, this pew with a gigantic Bible sitting that was open, and we actually read a passage from the Bible to uh, commemorate the moment, and candles were lit, and, you know, it was just the most perfect artistic scene I could have it ever sounds thought of. It and sounds so perfect, because I've, like, you know, when you think about Mozart and Beethoven, when you read about poets, like in my own country here of Ireland, you know, we have Yeats, and we have Joyce, and we have all these poets, and even just looking at Joyce's story, how he had to get out of grey Dublin and go down to the beauty of France, that tells you the environment is is so, so important. Do you know oh. what I mean? For oh. artists to really do their thing. Oh. But um, you're painting a picture there. And I mean, even at night time, just looking out to the ocean with the moonlight over it, it must be stunning. It was. And, you know, not not really having a, a musical background, I sat there. And uh, I remember he said, okay, you gotta be very, very quiet. I'm recording. I have the microphones above in the soundboard and then down below. So, you know, even little moves and cricks in that, you know, you might hear from my seat, but just be as quiet as you can be. So I said, okay, I'll be silent as a mouse. And then <laughs> I started watching him and his eyes went closed. I'm seeing the candlelight burning in the background, and I'm seeing these shadows up above, and I'm looking around, and it was just like I was in a dream. And then I was watching his hands touch the keys, but it didn't look like he was touching the keys. And he, it was just like he was just moving his hands up above, and it was like the, this music was coming out, and I could do nothing but start crying and weeping. And I was just emotionally just at the deepest levels of my core, my spirit, I says, oh my gosh, I've come home. That's amazing. That's, uh, that's incredible. And I just sat there in awe watching the maestro and his eyes were closed most of the time. You know, he, he just goes into this place and then these rolling arpeggios one after another and then that harp and bell-like tone coming from that ancient uh, Asian style of a composition that he started with. And then I just watched his head go back and then he'd make these little pauses and then he'd go back into it again. And it was like 30 minutes at a time of technically flawless beauty at its high most. It was like God in the making that the spirit of God just came through him. And I just watched this dream come true. And it was just, it was one of the greatest moments of my life.
the way you're painting that environment, it sounds a creation in, that could only be made in paradise. It, it really was. And, you know, uh, that was like, I mean, it's something like I've never seen before at that level. I've yeah. seen piano players, you know, and, you know, more pop music and rock, rock music. Uh, you know, Elton John, I think, was one that I always just thoroughly loved because of the, the style of, of catchy phrases and, and the, the yeah. fun music he, he just yeah. brought into, you know, yeah. my world. Mm. And and the Beatles, you know, the Beatles were really great around that. Yet yeah. this this was totally the opposite. This was like watching a true classical master. Like if I well, you were I you were seeing, you were seeing behind the scenes. If you think about it, like when yeah. when a performer goes on stage, there's a different uh, energy to it because there's this event happening. But this is more at home behind the scenes. Well, I won't say at home. Well, it is at home in a way. In, an, in your natural persona, just enjoying the sound, dream that's sound. What, that's what happened. Yeah. Mm. I, I was, um, I knew that this was the recording I wanted. Yeah. Because- And is the recording that you sent me uh, there earlier today, Paul, is, is that the- That's the actual oh, yeah. recording. That's the actual oh, yeah. recording. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and, and we've, it's never been published. Never been published yet, and and we we come back to it. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is a winner. You know, and there's a, a big performance that happens here in California. It's called Shen Yun. And this is where they bring the ancient Chinese performers and the music and all the culture together with uh, their diversity of, of art. And I could really see it even as a full performance one day 
because the music is just like nothing else ever created. Yeah. Well, it's a very original piece. Amazing. And I, I, I get the power in there because he goes up into the, the mountains, Dufu. He goes to the, up into the mountains on his way. It's a very difficult journey to go uh, to Mongolia or that area of China uh, and all on foot. You know, imagine the uh, energy it takes us to go and uh, hopefully people are going to put you up. I guess they did almost every night and they're going to feed you. Otherwise, what are you going to do? Uh, he had to do that. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it was uh, a, a time of great upheaval in China. And he was able to master his life and uh, able to continue on and finally ultimately come home. So that's what I worked on for one half an hour to get that beautiful, 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 and it was just different music. You, you, you don't hear this kind of. Yeah, it's it's very different. Yeah, you don't it's hear this. Like very different. Uh, no, we don't. I've never heard something like it. To be honest, thank it's you. very unique, very original. It, it, yeah, it, it, yeah, and especially when you, it takes time to really listen and take it all in, and you know maybe in the evenings when it's really quiet, that's the time to sit down and listen to it and uh, let it grow on you and all the parts get sink in and then it becomes something uh it's not a piece yeah. that's easy it's easy to listen to if you want to but you can't understand it unless you put your mind your heart your soul into it well i would say a good pair of headphones is <laughs> oh yes oh yeah then you're gonna get the real good piano set that's exactly what i did today big headphones this great friendship that was cemented that night because now he had my recording but now he actually saw it in person uh he, he became extremely excited and then in our next episode i will speak what happens after that oh um, my gosh and the the next recording takes us to voyage to arcturus and it's an epic journey of the traveling to the stars and it is just a nut like as we take you from the journey of Dufu and now to the voyage to Arcturus this is definitely the stargazer right here <laughs> uh -huh. well we all are we're all great stargazers so we'll leave it with that we'll leave it in the stars we'll leave it with the joy and happiness in our hearts and thank you so much for this wonderful time with you
To find out more about Waterfall Music and the Paul Lloyd Warner Foundation, go to waterfallgiving.com. Also, stay tuned for the next Paul Lloyd Warner podcast. Enjoy.